On this episode, Taylor DeHaze joins us to discuss the technical skills that can differentiate you as a top fitness coach. Next, Taylor describes the myth about hiring co-coaches into your fitness business. When it comes to hiring your business coach, what you should consider, and as you build your team, what your first hire should do for you, and what's a range on what you should pay them. At the end, Taylor gives her unpopular opinion on why you need to stop tracking your sales. Thank you, and enjoy the show. Welcome to Building Your Wealth Muscle, a podcast about building and protecting wealth for online health and fitness coaches. Each episode, we're going to break down different topics in the areas of business, finance, and tax, and how they pertain to your coaching business. Disclaimer, the topics covered in this podcast are for educational purposes only. This is not advice for your specific situation. Please consult a qualified financial or tax professional before making changes to your financial or tax situation. Now, here's your host, certified financial planner, Pat Darby. Today, we are joined by seven-figure business coach, Taylor DeHaze. Welcome to the Building Your Wealth Muscle podcast. Thank you for joining us. What's up? What's up? You killed it too. Like no one ever says my name correctly. So I really appreciate that. <laughs> I I can't take full credit. Well, I did research because I was okay. <laughs> I was worried that I wouldn't be able to pronounce it. It was so. beautiful. It was beautiful. So for those who don't know, Taylor has a podcast and that's how I, I was listening to your podcast to learn how to say your name. So <laughs> Yes, it is wrong. it is self-titled. So perfect. Love. <laughs> So, well, um, in the title, we already discussed you're a seven-figure business coach, but you have an interesting background. Uh, you didn't start out in fitness coaching, so I don't know if you want to give us a little bit of background and how you got started in the fitness yeah, business. Yeah, who the heck is this girl that you brought on, right? Like, I don't know. I feel like there's so many business coaches <laughs> out there, and so I really do think that the community that I've built and the connection I've made with my clients is unique for a certain reason because there's a lot of business coaches out there that I would consider almost overnight successes truly because of clout on Instagram or being an influencer back in the day, especially with the fitness side of things. Because if you guys are into fitness, as I'm sure you probably are listening to this, then you remember back when, you know, oatmeal would get you followers on Instagram, right? Like you could post a picture of oatmeal and you would get all these followers. And like, that was so cute in 2012. And so a lot of people really blew up. And then there was this phenomenon of like business coaches that started coming about. And, and truly, I think it's because a lot of people didn't like fitness coaching anymore. And they were like, what else can I do? Let me, let me pivot to business coaching. And so um, what I'm finding with a lot of my clients is I, I usually joke that I'm somebody's like second business coach because they go for like the flashy marketing and the influencer and realize that uh, they aren't able to translate those methods to them because they don't have that clout. They don't have all those followers and they're lacking the ability to give off that strategy to really scale a business. So my background is very different. Even though I was posting oatmeal and pictures of my Garmin watch, I had maybe about 5,000 followers when I started my business. And I know some people might say, oh, that's kind of a lot. But for me, because I had, you know, I was sharing my journey with bodybuilding and powerlifting and all of that. So I was a TV reporter for 10 years and I did investigative reporting and poured everything into that. And long story short, I was laid off in 2019 and I, I was not happy. Um, however, my ego would have kept me in TV forever, truly, because, you know, like I spent all this money in grad school and like everyone knew me as the fit TV girl. And, and that was yeah. something that I didn't want to let go of. But 
I spent about 30 minutes crying in my car. And then I was like, you know what? Screw this. I'm going to do what I really want to do. And that is create a fitness coaching business. And I'm somebody that is very relentless. And when I set a goal, I just make things happen no matter what it takes. And so honestly, learning what I had from working with high level coaches like Lane Norton and Cliff Wilson, like I knew what it felt like to have good coaching and good support. So I just dove straight in. And um, within my first seven months, I hit my first six figures. Within two years, I made my first million. And I still can't say swipe up. So I can't say it's because of following right? It truly is because of the networking and the community building and all of those things. So I will say that is a little bit different than the story you will hear, I think, from a lot of coaches out there. No, I love that because I think I never really heard it articulated that way, that if someone has like a huge following, their advice may not be as relatable to those who don't have a big following. I never heard it framed that way, but that's really impactful. Yeah. And, you know, I think the the way that I've taught a few methods and I'm sure we'll chat about this is, you know, it's, it's one thing to have a strategy. And that's what I'm noticing with a lot of coaches out there is they will have one method that worked really well for them, but it doesn't translate to somebody who is just starting their Instagram. Right. Because if, a coach of, you know, 100,000 followers has a live masterclass, she may get a ton of people that come versus somebody else. I would never advise them to do that because it will be cricket, right? So it's finding yeah. ways of getting engagement, um, especially now when like the Instagram algorithm is literally changing every other second, right? And so a lot of people's advice right now is go to YouTube, go to TikTok, go here and there. And like, that's so overwhelming for somebody starting a business. I do not need you going to four different platforms. I need to get really good at one platform. And then we can talk about that later. But I think I take a much more practical approach because I did have to fight and build something and there wasn't that overnight success. I know I scaled fast, but it's because I move like lightning. <laughs> like I move very fast and I work very hard. But um, anyway. That's fantastic. So your first business in 2019, was it coaching people that wanted to get in shape or you, were, you went right into coaching coaches? No, I definitely did not go into coaching coaches because I think that would be super sketchy. Um, No. So I started out only doing fitness coaching. To be honest, I never in my life, I didn't even know what a business coach was when I started my business. I had no idea. And so... I, my first offer was, you know, lifestyle, like macro coaching, powerlifting, and competition prep, because that's what I was well versed in. And my first year in just fitness coaching, I created a 250K annual business, right? So people started asking me how I was doing this. And that's really how it started. So, you know, I, I took on like four, four or five one on one kind of like business mentees. And I, and I did this as market research because I saw a need for a program for beginner coaches. And what I saw that was missing out there is there's a lot of programs for beginner coaches, but no one is focusing on your fitness coaching skills simultaneously. And no one has a program out there that is not an influencer, right? And it's really hard for me to hear somebody with, like I told you, a huge following saying, eh, followers don't matter. But like it does, they, they do to a certain extent, right? Like right. followers did not matter for, for me making seven figures, but 
they will matter from a coach who is teaching you those lessons. Because if somebody did not gain those followers in the last year and they've always had those followers, it's hard for me to say, you know, because that's the thing. If you got all these followers, you know, 10 years ago, that person's engagement probably isn't that great anyway. So it's, I think having somebody that was going to coach the fitness side of things. And even today, I still have a full roster of fitness clients because how can I help you build a business, right? If you can't coach yourself. And that's something that is very unique to my method is I'm helping you become the best coach you can be. I'm, I'm ghost coaching my, my clients' clients. So it's just a little bit of a different approach. So in that, so right now you're doing both. Like you have clients that you're coaching to continue to keep up your skills as a coach and then also with all the mentees that you have. Yes. Okay. So I want to go back to something you said to highlight it if I understood it correctly. You help people keep up their fitness skills as coaches as well, like their technical knowledge. Yep. So like something that I do, for example, like in my in my beginner program, Fitness Coach Academy, I have a handful of trainings from like Lane Norton and Sam Miller, Lauren Conlin. So they're learning the basics of reverse dieting, the basics of macro tracking, the basics of hormone function, because what happens is they have this skill, but no one's helping them hone in on that skill. And I think that it's really easy. I say this and, and I might get flack for it. I think it's easy to just make your first 5K. What's not easy is client retention. And I have a fitness client retention of two years on average. So what I see is these coaches are popping up. They're getting quick you know, quick influxes of clients and they can't sustain it. Nobody is staying with them past their 90-day commitment. And it's because you know, the whole calories in, calories out, IIFYM, that's not it anymore. Like to be competitive in this space, you need to read labs. You need to understand adrenal fatigue. You need to understand like the basics of, you know, hormone function. You don't have to be an expert in any of that, but at the same time, like you need to be able to read a basic lab panel. And there's a lot of coaches out there. There's a lot of fitness business coaches out there that I would never in my life trust to read a lab. Thus, I would never hire them to be my coach. I think that's fantastic. I've never heard that before um, because I know that we talked about this on this show a few times that it's like the Wild West out there. Like if you're trying to get in shape, trying to find a coach and I mean you would know this better than me, but I feel like the letters behind most coaches' names, like I don't think people know what they mean and if they even matter that much because the certifications, like you said, they probably all have the certification, but can you read a lab? Like can you go in depth? Um so you help your your coaches that you work with def differentiate some because they're going to have in-depth knowledge? Yeah. So, I mean, everyone's going to be a little bit different, right? So I help any coach that is in the health and wellness space. So some of my coaches, that doesn't even apply. Like some of my coaches are truly doing only pre and postnatal. Some of my clients are only doing holistic. Some of them are doing contest prep. Some of them are not doing macros at all. So I think it just depends on what they're working on. But for like my mid-level mastermind, for example, six figure fitness coach, that is for any coach that is looking to basically scale to the six or multi six figure mark. I have guest experts that come in on a monthly basis. Um, I bounce between both business and fitness experts, but I've got somebody coming on in March who is quite literally teaching us 
how to read a basic lab panel so that you can feel comfortable and confident when you're trying to assess, you know, okay, Sally's not losing weight. We reverse dieted. We performed really well. Now we're dieting. She's on her shit. Why is she not losing weight? Well, let's do a lab panel. Let's look at her thyroid. Let's look at her adrenals. Let's look at her. If she, is she estrogen dominant? Whatever, right? Is her birth control causing an issue? And nobody is feeling, well, nobody. Most people don't feel confident assessing that. And again, that's something yeah. that you can have the best business strategy ever. But if you can't coach your clients and you can't keep that retention, you're not going to scale. And that is truly why I've scaled as quickly as I have, because my clients get results, both my fitness clients and my business clients. And I think that they really value having somebody that just gets it, you know? That You said something that, that is amazing, and I want to bring it back to it, because everything that you're talking about is about the client retention. And I to like bring it into like the business world, that's one of the best ways to have a high profit margin and obviously not kill yourself with sales if your clients are sticking around. So you have two-year retention rates for your personal clients? Yeah, for my fitness coaching clients. And, you know, even for my, I don't know what the percentage is for my business clients mm -hmm. per se. My contracts are typically one year. So, That's but I will thing. say, you know, I just had a $600,000 launch in November. And of that launch, about 75% of sales were re-signs. So, you know, people are getting oh, results 2021. in mm -hmm. The people yeah. that signed up in 2020 for the November to November. Wow. That's, yeah. that's amazing. Yeah. So, and again, that launch for 2022 is how I started the year with already a million dollars in recurring revenue. Right. So it's like the strategy behind that, too. Like you get the clients, you get them hooked, you get them results. You and, and, and something else that's and I'm sure you'll talk about like what methods are different. But one of the ways that I've kept my retention so high is because I'm not getting a ton of support coaches. And I think a co-coach and support coach can be super helpful. But what I'm seeing and, and one complaint I'm getting from a lot of other clients that are coming for me, because, again, remember, I joke that I'm everyone's like second business coach. Right. So, you know, somebody will come to me and they'll say, you know, I hired this coach and I never had access to that person. And whereas for me, I am really in it every step of the way. There are no automated Slack messages from me. I know everything going on in my clients' businesses. We talk very frequently and, and you know, I'll hear, well, I talked to them so much in the DMs and as soon as I purchased, I never heard from them again. And that sucks. That really sucks yeah, because, really sucks. Um, but it's, it's so common. And so that's why I always say like, if you're looking to hire a business coach, please do your research and not only research, but like book multiple calls. You know what I mean? Take your time. There is no rush. Um, and also be careful with testimonials because a lot of coaches will use testimonials that are over a year old and they're sharing these screenshots. And, and I know this because I've seen it with my personal story with people that I've worked with. You know, I've seen my testimonials that are old. And um, that's why I always do like weekly recaps because I do like to keep things fresh. And I think highlighting wins um, frequently is really helpful, not only for my clients to feel super excited, but also other people to be like, wow, people are really killing it every week with Taylor. Like what's going on over there? You know, that's fantastic. So how do you scale if you, or how do you balance that? If you're, so like if you're a fitness coach and you're teaching them how to build a team, mm -hmm. how do they balance that? Like they're the they're the expert. People want to work with them, but they do need some juniors helping them. What do you teach them to balance that approach? 
Yeah. So I think it just depends on, on truly like what they're what their long-term vision is, right? So like, let's say like one of my clients right now, one of my private clients really wants to have like a army of assistant coaches. You know, she wants to really build up her business that way. And so we're working on that right now. I have some people that want to be more of like the face of their of their um, company. So in that case, we're working on more of a, a course, right? And like a high ticket course, which will eventually turn evergreen. Um, even for me, you know, like in Fitness Coach Academy, for example, even though I am the main one and I'm answering all the Slack messages and I'm doing biweekly coaching calls, I have my sales team do two coaching calls a month. So that's not like a support coach. It's just utilizing my team in a more advanced way. What I think is challenging is hiring mini me's, right? Like that can be challenging. So I think it just depends on the scale. And, and I say this because what I'm noticing is a lot of people are getting kind of lazy in their business model. And there's there's mindset coaches that, that have talked about this. Um, one, one that I have in my coaching program. So if I bring somebody on to my team for a co-coach or whatever, they're coaching something that they are more skilled at than me, right? So example, I have a mindset coach who specifies or who's, um, specializes rather in emotional intelligence. So I don't specialize in that. So she does 90 minute coaching calls every month. I bring on my CFO to chat with my clients about retirement and wealth and all of that. That's something that I'm not a pro in. My OBM comes and talks about systems and strategies and um, automations. Like I don't wanna talk about the tech stuff. So that to me makes sense. What doesn't make sense to me is, hey, I just sold you into this program. It was so great getting to meet you. I'll talk to you once every week and that's it. Like that to me sucks because yeah. if you're, if you're, that to me means like the client or the coach just wants more money and not caring about the client experience. And I really care about the client journey. Like it's really important to me that people are feeling so secure in Fitness Coach Academy that after a certain amount of time, they feel ready for six figure fitness coach, right? Like. That to me is how it should feel. It's not going to be everybody. It's not going to be after 14 weeks necessarily, but I want that client to feel secure and supported and that way they will stay on and continue to see success, you know? And yes, you're going to get clients that don't do the work and aren't ideal. That's just the nature of like a beginner program. They realize, oh crap, entrepreneurship may not be for me. But again, like if you're doing everything with integrity and truly like coaching from the heart, which I know sounds so cheesy, but truly like I love what I do and I love my clients so much. It's why I honestly build great relationships with them. Um, then like you're not going to fail. And I think so many people are doing things for the wrong reason because the selling point for so many programs is just making more money. But again, you're not going to make for money the, with your client. Coach, not for the, yes, correct. Not the client. Yeah. So that's something I like to talk about in most episodes. Like, so what would you change about the industry? Like, or how would you change that? Um, like if you're out there as a, a young fitness coach and you're like, all right, I need to hire my first mentor. What would your advice be to them? I know you said multiple sales calls, but anything else that you could guide them? Cause I know there's different price points. Like obviously there's, that's something they're going to consider like the, the cost of the investment, but if they need their first one or maybe even their second one, like what would the steps be? Yeah. So I think like I would get really, really clear on what you need in terms of support. Okay. So what I mean by that is it's really easy to get caught up in clout and well, this coach works with this coach so they've got to be good. 
Not saying they're not good. They might be great, but they may not be great for you. So for example, like something that my clients really value about working with me is I am super specific with everything. What I mean by that is every single client after every call, every touch point has literal due dates, homework, a step-by-step plan. That is my style. I'm very strategy focused. I'm very like big picture. Like, yes, let's focus on what we can do. That's the next two steps. But I'm like, okay, making your first 5k is cute, but how are we going to get to 20k? What are the roadblocks that are going to happen before that? Like I'm a very proactive, not reactive coach. So even though you might just be going to your first 10k month, I'm helping you map out 50K months, right? Like, what does that look like? Um, And in that way, we're going to be able to execute over the course of a year together. Whereas there's some coaches that specifically work on mindset, for example. So if you're somebody that is just can't get out of your own head, you literally are so stressed about what Jessica from chemistry in high school is going to think of you, like maybe that is a different different coach for you, right? Because you're not going to be able to execute strategy if you can't tackle the mindset. And again, I do work on mindset, but it's not like the main focus for me. My clients really value that I'm like a get shit done kind of a coach. Um, and then there's some coaches out there where, um, like I said earlier, like they work with influencers. That is kind of who they specialize in. They may not say that. They're never going to say that. But if you look at the clients that are getting results, they have a lot of followers. And so if you're somebody that is new to Instagram, their methods may not translate to you, right? So I think it it really is doing homework and talking to other clients. And also don't be afraid to just DM a coach, right? Like you're not going to get immediately sold something, truly. I love when people actually just ask me, hey, can you tell me what it's like working with you? Like, what is this support about? What I would say don't do is don't just ask them how much they charge. And I say this because, and I'll tell you this, fitness coaches, whoever's listening to this, like the value means absolutely nothing or the price means nothing rather until you've listened to the value truly, because there's so many coaches out there. And I mean, I've spent, I've spent a lot of money on business coaches and it's always gotten me ROI, but at the same time, like I wouldn't pick a program because it's 5,000 versus 10,000. Like that's not, that should not be the selling point because at the end of the day, if you're truly trying to build a business, the ROI, you should be looking at the ROI, right? So I would say, look at the coach's sales page. How do you feel about the language they're using? Look at the client's Instagram post. Do you vibe with them? I know that sounds so basic, but truly like this person, you're gonna be spending a lot of time with. And if you don't feel like you resonate with their lifestyle, you know, like something that I I joke about is I, I say like, fuck champagne showers a lot because I'm a seven figure coach, but I don't care about like the luxury stuff. Like I care about getting time back and going to more concerts and like just enjoying my life. Right. So I think if you're looking for, you know, the yachts and the mansions, that's a different style of coach for you. Right. So I think it's truly finding somebody that has the same lifestyle kind of like vibe as you, because really your lifestyle is going to do the selling for you. I think that's great. That's a really good point that, you know, you do have to, although, yeah, they say like work people you like or you vibe with. So I think that's extremely helpful. Um, So one of the things you had mentioned before in terms of having a team. So I imagine a lot of people that come to you, they're at, they're at different stages in their business. Um, so maybe you can answer this in two different ways, but if they're just starting out, who's their first hire as they hit the, maybe that 5k month. Um, yeah. and then same if after like hitting that 50k month, like 
what's the team look like? Mm -hmm. So I teach kind of like a hiring hierarchy, if you will. So step one is always going to be like a virtual assistant. And okay. I recommend finding somebody that you can grow with and morph them into your online business manager. And people always ask me, okay, what is an OBM? I don't even know what that means. And it's fine because I totally didn't either. Um, what I will say is to be aware of, and I wish somebody would have told me this. So I waited way too long to hire my first team member. Um, I waited until I was hitting six figures and I was literally drowning working I'm not even kidding you, at least 60 to 70 hours a week because I was doing everything myself. So what I would encourage you to do for your first hire is do a automate, delegate, delete list. So create a list of everything you do in a given day, literally everything. And then I want you to figure out what you can automate, what you can delegate and what you're wasting time on, right? And that will tell you exactly what you need your VA to do. And then in terms of like what to pay them, it just depends. It truly depends. But if you're in the US, I mean, you're going to look at anywhere from 20 to $40 an hour. And I think sometimes five hours a week is all you need. My OBM was actually a VA for me. And within our first 90 days, she actually became more specialized based on like what, what she was doing education wise. And, you know, now she does everything for me in terms of like editing my podcast, all my marketing stuff. So it's like if, if it's not me and my client, I don't do it. Everything that deals with contracts, back end systems, marketing, I don't I don't do that because it doesn't have to be me. And I think that yeah. um, coaches have a hard time giving things up because they think that people are going to do it wrong. But the thing is, if you hire a good VA or an OBM, you don't have to teach them how to do anything. They already know. Right. Yeah. So like the back end system that I use for all of my payments or random landing pages is Kartra. I've never used Kartra in my life. I mean, truly like she set it up for me. I was using something else prior to that. And it's like, there's no reason for me to know how to use that, you know? Um, so that's why and she takes care of the payments and all of that. Right. So that's where I would start. And then from there, it can become more nuanced, right? Like if you are um, I mean, I would recommend hiring a social media manager after that, specifically somebody to be in your DMS to really help you with sales. Okay. Um, and typically you're going to look at a DM package being about 40 minutes to an hour a day, Monday through Friday. Um, that's probably going to be anywhere from $1,200 to $1,800. I would not pay any more than that. And then from there, you can kind of build a team with that person. I know that's what I did. What I am currently doing too is like, I love my DM person and she's bringing more people on to work under her, to kind of work under my team. Um, and then after that, it just, that's when it really becomes kind of nuanced. Like where are the bottlenecks? So I yeah. love writing my content because it's my voice, it's my branding. So I have used a copywriter for certain projects. Like I hired a copywriter for a sales page. So I didn't want to write it or maybe like a really solid uh, email sequence that you're going to use. Like, let's say you're creating like a signature freebie and you know, you're going to use this freebie for a long time, maybe outsource the email sequence. You know what I mean? Um, I think a lot of people get bogged down with their content and I will say it's typically because they suck at it. It's not because there really is that much. So I, I work with my clients a lot on that. Um, in terms of ads, that's always the big question is, can I just run ads and make all this money? Um, I was sharing this with you before we started, I think, or maybe recently, but like I never started running ads until literally three days ago. I, oh, everything wow. I've made, every bit of the seven figures has been all organic. So I'm just now dabbling into ads. And I think that so many people assume they need them. And here's what I will tell you until you have something that has a proven track record of working ads are yeah. not going to work at all. So what I mean by that is fitness coach Academy, 
is evergreen. We took that program evergreen about seven months ago. Um, it sells itself. So obviously that is that is proof that it's working. So ads can run to that. But I would never run ads to like my private business coaching, for example. Like that makes no sense. Um, and then, like I said, I mean, you can start, you can, you can go into the sales team of hiring people for your sales calls or, you know, your ads team. I mean, it can really get like very nuanced with where you go from there. But I think if you just take it step by step, and this is truly where a coach has been so helpful for me, where it's like, I've given them the big picture, the long-term goals, and we figure out, okay, in the next 90 days, who should we start interviewing? Where can we go from there? Um, and you just kind of build it out as you go. So, so then if you're inside of the business now, mm-hmm. um, I know we talked about this before, if you had to pick like one or two metrics that you have your fitness coaches measure tracking their business, um, what do you feel is the most important? If they can only, if they only have to track one or two. Okay. I'm going to tell you to stop tracking your sales. And I know that's going okay. to be so polarizing for so many people, but I don't care. So I'm going to start with a low hanging fruit that no one is doing, and that is going to be tracking your leads. So everyone really, I, I kind of specialize in my DM strategies um, and like really building community and turning leads faster than the average eight week time frame. So what I mean by tracking your leads is I would recommend using something like Airtable. I really like Airtable. It is totally free. So in there, you can set up basically like, you know, cold, warm and hot leads when they entered your Instagram. If you pitched a call, if they booked a call, if you need a follow up date, you can write notes if they're working with another coach right now, all of those things. Right. So. That way at the end of every day, because you should be in your DMs on a daily basis, um, at the end of your session, you can update that and be like, oh, wow, Jessica moved to hot. I should stay on her over the weekend or whatever, right? I find that coaches get so stressed about not having sales. And I'm like, well, how are you tracking your leads? Oh, I'm not. Well, okay, you're. how can I help you if you can't help yourself? So what I do with the KPIs from that lead tracker is like on a weekly basis, I would just in a Google Doc, I would just kind of do a weekly report for yourself. And if you have a team, they can do this. But if you're solo, I would keep track of how many cold leads you brought in that week. I would keep track of what leads you were using, like who were you sourcing from, um, how many sales calls were booked, or you can say potential revenue, and then how much money did you make or how many sales were closed. So that way you're not only looking at, oh, I didn't make sales. It's like, well, you know, last week, I only got 10 new leads and I didn't book a sales call. This week I had 50 new leads and look at that, I had five sales calls booked, right? So you can hold yourself accountable more with that tracking. So that to me is the most underrated area of where people can track. I think people are just throwing darts on Instagram and hoping people respond to them. And then they wonder why they're getting ghosted, why they're not landing sales. And so then you can also say, wow, my source week one really worked so well in February. My sources week three clearly didn't really give me as much as I thought they would. And that way you're not wasting time. Um, I do think that sales are important, but at the same time, you know, I, there, there's other there's other things you're going to want to look at other than just sales. Um, I think another KPI that is underreported is like your time management with your team. So those of you that are with a team already, you know, how quickly are they getting projects done? Do you feel like it's taking your your VA seven days to get one landing page done? Because that's unacceptable, right? So that's something that I would keep tabs of and I would kind of keep things in like red, yellow, and green lights. 
and just be like, you know what? Every time I need an email done, she's on it. Every time I need a landing page, like, I don't know why I'm getting so many excuses is why this is taking so long. Right. And then it becomes a conversation of how can we get this moving faster? Because I think as you start building a team out, you have no time for delays. Like you need shit done fast. And my team is excellent at meeting all deadlines. I've never had a problem with that. And I think it's because I'm somebody who is a visionary, but I'm also an integrator. Like I'm literally like the 50, 50 split of that. So I'm, I'm very in the weeds with my business, making sure things are done, making sure everyone feels supported, um, really leading them. So those are kind of my two metrics that I think people don't think about depending on what level you're at in your business. Um, but yeah, I think that's great because, um, yeah, I think you really brought up a good point because sales is more of the lagging indicator if they're not getting all the weeds yeah. and the daily things that need to be done to get people into the funnel. People do not track the leads. They only track the lags. And that's the problem. It's something that I talk yeah. about actually a lot in my mastermind is people people start to feel like they're failing because they didn't make seven sales this month and they made eight or nine the, the month before, whatever it happens to be. And I'm like, okay, but like, there's other things that are going on that we can track to figure out what the problem is, right? Like something as simple as how many days are you actually pitching on your stories? Oh, I didn't get on it all last week. Okay, well, like that's what it is, right? And we get so irritated about not having more money, but we need to figure out what we can track. And I recommend everyone having four KPIs in different areas that are not sales related, right? And one of them may truly be pitching on your stories. One of them is probably going to be some kind of like how many cold leads came in, whatever it happens to be, right? But I'm, I'm with you. I think we focus on the wrong things sometimes and that's causing us to stay stuck. Yeah. I mean, even from like a, a relatable example, like they're all fitness coaches. So you, you have to track the exercises you're doing, like those are the leading indicators, not, you know, if someone loses a pound versus a pound and a half, like they kind of can't control that. They can control the what goes in their mouth, what they do at the gym. Mm -hmm. So I feel like it's the same in business, but we, we forget those concepts. Well, right. We're really good at giving advice and we're not good at taking our own advice. You know, like we, <laughs> we know true. that our clients won't lose 30 pounds in 30 days, yet we want to make 30 sales in 30 days because we pitched our offer one time. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, so that's a perfect segue because so let's say um, for your clients, as they start to scale up from 20 to 50K, what would you say is the biggest challenge or obstacle they face after their business is quote unquote successful? Yeah, I think it's truly continuing to stand out. And I think that the higher you scale, the more you have to continue to really not only niche down, but like refine that messaging. And I think the next step, like the 20 to 50 K, what really makes the difference is having your second offer, like creating that really signature course. And for me, that was Fitness Coach Academy. And I think a lot of people have a really hard time thinking outside of the box or they don't know what they're good at, right? Like a lot of coaches get to that 20 K mark and they don't ever get to seven figures because they can't articulate their intellectual property. So when my clients are at that level, that is what we focus on. Okay, what is your intellectual property? If you were to sell your business tomorrow, what is your method, right? And I think figuring that out, that higher level um, kind of stuff is, is what really makes a huge difference because there's a million eight week challenges and all of that. Like that's not what makes a signature course. You know what I mean? Like yeah. what is already out there? And I think also, 
yes, keep your head down and focus on you, but also be very aware of who your competitors are. And if you feel like you don't have competitors, there's something wrong with that, right? Like you're either not a big enough player yet, or I don't know, you're like not nuanced enough, but like, I can tell you right now, you know, who my, who my big players are, who I'm kind of like competing against. And and that to me keeps me not, not on my toes necessarily, but just, it keeps me pushing and striving to be the best I can be to stand out. And yeah. That's perfect. Um, So one of the last questions, since this is a podcast about building wealth, protecting wealth, um, what is your general philosophy on like building wealth and financial freedom, like outside of your business? Like you're obviously very (laughs) successful in the business. Yeah. So I'm somebody, it's so funny because like one of the things that I've really practiced is just because I make more, I don't spend more. And it may not be on every level, but like, I'll give you an example. I think a lot of coaches will be like, get the first class ticket buy the Dom Perignon. And like, that's so not me. I'm like, hell no. I would rather like book a weekend trip with my friend to like, I don't know, Vegas or something. Right. Like, so I joke that I still bring a thermos to a coffee shop so that I get dollar refills. Like I joke about this all the time. Um, so I think, you know, one of the reasons that the wealthy continue to get wealthier is because they don't change their spending habits. Right. So yes, every now and then I will treat myself to something nice and no, I'm not staying in like, you know, a holiday inn when I travel, but at the end of the day, I'm not finding the most luxurious place because I'd rather spend my money on memories or whatever. Right. So I think that to me, like doing, doing a simple P and L and truly being realistic with what you spend is really helpful because some people have really bad profit margins and it's not because they're paying their team. It's because their first 10 K they spend 5 K on a Valentino. And like, that's so dumb. So I think if you want long-term wealth, that's like a basic place to start. But the number two, like I'm very big on investing, right? Like, and I've had a financial advisor since I got laid off. So, you know, things like retirement and all of that, like, I'm not worried about that because I know that's being taken care of. Um, So I think it's not only like you don't have to figure this out by yourself. And I think that's what people need to understand is you don't have to spend more money to make more money necessarily in this sense. I think, you know, like my financial advisor, like takes a cut of, you know, based on like my stocks and how well they do. But like, I don't pay that person to to give me advice. So, you know, when I I think I had been laid off and it had been like maybe a month and a half and I hired this guy and I was like, oh, my God, I feel so comfortable because I wanted to like transfer my 401k and like get that out and like figure, you know, just get all those. I don't know how to do that. And that's that's not no one expects you to know how to do that. But if you continue to just think like oh, cool, I'm making money. Okay, great. But like, what's the retirement? What's the long-term plan? Are you putting money into stocks, right? So that to me is like number two. And then number three, it's like that long-term game plan because there is going to be a point where, you know, you have to figure out how to pay yourself. What is your salary? Like what, because like that becomes very, um, fun and kind of messy sometimes. And you start making more money because, Taxes are so fun, right? So I think having a CFO at some point is really, really helpful too. Um, so, you know, having having those key players to help you, like the unsexy or like the non-glamorous stuff is like having a legal team, having a financial team and not being an idiot with your money, truly. You know, I mean, I think that you can totally treat yourself here and there, 
But when I started really making money, that's when I started like saving more money, truly, because that's when I was like, oh my God, I can put a lot more in my investments. And that to me is long-term wealth, right? It's not about these luxury bags and items. It's about what about in 10 years from now or 20 years from now, how can I take what I'm making now and really build a successful future for me? Because there is no better freedom than you cutting your own paychecks. And I say that as somebody who was laid off, so I totally get it because my contract did not protect me at all. And I think people always assume that like, oh, starting your business, like it's so scary, it's not stable. But like there is nothing more stable than having total control over every single thing. Like that to me is so, so stable, but people are too scared to do it. So that's the issue. Yeah, what is that? What's that Warren Buffett quote? If you think running a business is scary, try working forty years then surviving on Social Security. So it's that's. I know, and 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 I'm just journey. I've always been. So, I don't know how you are, but I've always been such a risk taker. Like nothing scares me. It's kind of weird. Like maybe I should be more scared, but I've never let myself fail. I think that's like the thing you have to understand is like I've really never let myself fail. Anything that I have worked for and busted my ass towards and like held the vision for, I've always succeeded. I've always invested in mentors. I've always invested in answers. And I think that also is like the sticking point, whether we're talking about financial wealth, the wealth of your business, any of that, like you're not going to get it from podcasts and Googling. Like you're just not. I think that these are great tools and resources, but let these be the tools and resources that spark you to take action. That's the problem, you know, whether you're like listening to this in your car and you're like, damn, I don't want to go to my nine to five ever again. Okay, cool. So like, what's the exit plan? You know, and it's not waiting until after your wedding or waiting until after you move into your new house. Like, why would you not start now? I totally agree with that. Um, I, I feel like you said it better than I can. Like the things that I talk about, they're very unsexy, you know, pre- protecting your wealth, building your wealth. It's, it's pretty boring for most people, but... Um, the one thing that I always tell people is like your fitness business, my financial business, you've no idea what what's going to happen in the future, like technologically. Like you could be the best business owner in the world, but if you in the 90s, early 90s, told people who were running paper businesses like, oh, I'm going to sell my business and retire. And it's like they got to the end of the rope and who wants to buy it now? So um, it's important that you start to save for the future because – your fitness business might have no value 20 years from now because maybe technology is doing it. Like, we don't know. Like, so I think that's extremely valuable what you just said. It is. And like, I I agree with you. Like there is that unknown, but I will say like social media isn't going anywhere. Right. And I think that even if it were, even if it were to go somewhere, whatever that means, we're going to have notice, right? Like we're going to know that something is dying or, and we're going to have time to pivot. So I I mean, I remember when I first started my business and, you know, my parents were supportive, but they were just like, well, hope you can make money, you know? And now that I'm like making seven figures, they're like, this is so great. Woohoo. We love this for you. You know what I mean? But I think that people just truly don't think it can be them. People don't get it. Like if you're listening to this podcast and you're thinking, wow, this girl made seven figures in two years, that could never be me. Like that's exactly why it won't be you. Like if you think that it will never be you truly. And I think, you know, when I started out, never, never did I think I want to be rich. It truly was, how can I match my 75K salary? And then I did it. And I was like, okay, cool. How do I make six figures? And then I did it. I was like, 
okay, what about multi? And then like, I just kept doing it. You know what I mean? Like you keep scaling. No one starts a business thinking I'm going to make a million dollars. I mean, maybe some people do, but that wasn't it for me. Like I, I didn't realize what that entailed. And I think as you continue to scale and grow, that's why it's so important to have somebody long-term to be your mentor and to guide you and to push you and hold you accountable. Right. And to show you what you're actually capable of. And if you are a self-starter like me, that will get you far, but you will burn out really fast and you will need something that'll get you to that next level. That's perfect. Uh, well, this has been extremely, extremely helpful, Taylor. Thank you so much. Um, so You're if our listeners want to learn more about you and your company, what's the best way for them to find you? Yeah, I mean, my name is spelled really weird, as I'm sure it will be maybe in the show notes. But yeah, honestly, every, like... Everything that you <laughs> All your links will be in the show notes. Yeah, I was going to say, check out the links. I mean, like I said, I work from anyone or work with anyone rather who is starting out and scaling all the way to seven figures. So, you know, um, DMs are always open. I'm sure my Instagram is linked. It's just Taylor Fit. Again, T-A-E-L-E-R, fun times. But yeah, and my website's got tons of freebies. So if you're just starting out and you're needing um, a little extra guidance or you want to learn more about me and my vibe, like I said, um, DMs are always open. I think you can always go to my page and learn a little bit that way. Perfect. Well, thank you so much, Taylor, for joining us on Building Your Wealth Muscle. Thanks so much. Absolutely. Thank you for joining us this week on Building Your Wealth Muscle. Make sure you visit our website, darbyba.com, where you can subscribe to the show in iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. While you're at it, if you found value, we'd appreciate a ratings on iTunes, or simply tell a friend about the show. That would help us as well. For more information on the topics covered, you can follow Pat on Instagram at PatDarbyBiz. The download from this episode is available in the show notes. And if you want help building your wealth specifically, Pat Darby is currently taking private clients. The link to book a call is also in the show notes. Thank you again for listening and have a great day.